to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I wish there was a way where I could just go to a lab and just have the memory taken away because it's not doing me any good at all. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Imagine being able to remember every moment of your life, even when you were a baby, even when you were inside the womb. Today's guest Rebecca has a condition called HSAM, highly superior autobiographical memory. She can relive the best moments of her life, like blowing out the candles on her childhood birthday cakes, but also the bad memories, which can feel like they are raw and real. This is such a fascinating episode with someone who experiences memory and time differently to most of us. Enjoy. Rebecca, welcome to The Deep. Hi, Zoe. Thanks for inviting me on your show. I am incredibly fascinated with your mind. Could you tell us, is it a condition that you have? And if it is, what is it called? So the condition I have, in addition to autism and obsessive compulsive disorder, I've got a very rare memory condition, which is called HSAM. And HSAM is an acronym for Highly Superior Autobiographical Memory. And I was diagnosed with this condition in 2013 by the McGon Stark Lab at the University of California, Irvine. And it's a condition where, for some unknown reason, I have an inability to let go of the vast majority of my past experiences. Wow. Do you remember back to being born? Thankfully, I don't have a clear memory of of actually coming out of the birth canal. But even so, my memories are all in chronological order. So there are some, some recollections I have which could possibly be from the day I was born because just before then, my the earliest I can cast my mind back to is when I was just 
scrunched with my head between my legs. And we're assuming that's from when I was in the womb as a very well-developed fetus. But skeptics are, are understandably able to say, but how could you fully confirm that it could be from when I was in a blanket just after I was born. But we're assuming it's from when I was in the womb. Fascinating. So you remember newborn days? Yeah. And you see, of course, as a newborn, I didn't know about calendars or dates, clearly, at such a young age. But I do remember experiences I had and I can only date them if they were confirmed by somebody who was an adult at the time, such as my mother or my other family members, and or if it was, say, a birthday where I turned a particular age. But my earliest memory I can date is from when I was 12 days old, and there was a photo taken of it when I was just placed on the driver's seat of the car and was looking up at the camera and the steering wheel just having a picture taken of me and I remembered that experience and I'd tell mum about it for years and years and then when I was 13 I finally found the photo of the experience which was dated the 23rd of December 1989 and I said here mum this is of the experience this is the experience I kept asking you about And then mum saw the date and this was when I was 13 and she said, no, you won't be able to remember that. You were so, you were so young. Are you sure you can remember that? And then I said, mum, I've been telling you about this experience for as long as I've had language and I've only seen the photo of it now. So I remember it. And then mum said she ended up believing me. So Does that mean you record every day since the day you were born? Like you remember every day since the day you were born or just you can go back all of the way? My recollections are all in chronological order. So the the age I was when I had knowledge of calendar dates wasn't until I was nearly five when I was counting down to my fifth birthday. But I do still remember experiences before then the vast majority of what happened I can remember and there are the recollections are all in chronological order so I can look at the 23rd of December and there are recollections I have which were from before then so I know they're earlier and uh Okay, so you've got a line in the sand of the 23rd of December, 1989, and you can remember yeah, things before that. Yeah, because that's confirmed. And you were just out of hospital that time, so that means that you remember things prior. But because you don't have the concept of calendar and days and times, it's hard yeah. for the first five years to know exactly when it began. Is that correct? Yeah, and also to fully prove a sceptic incorrect, it's very hard to do so if I didn't have knowledge of calendar dates before then. Okay, so even the days that are mundane and monotonous, which are many, do you still have 
access to that memory. Like if someone said, when you were 17 on the 2nd of February, do you know what happened on the 2nd of February when you were 17? Yes. And in fact, on the 2nd of February 2007, that would be, that was a Friday. And on that particular day, Clearly nothing exciting happened because I had I had an eye test on that particular day and I despise eye tests. But in the morning, I have no idea why my brain just hasn't discarded it, but I just remembered my waiting for my sibling, younger siblings to go to school and they were watching Viva Piñata on television. Okay. So then if I go to when you're 25 on the 4th of June, you will remember that as well? So the 4th of June 2015 is when I was 25. That that day was a Wednesday. I'm pulling these dates out of thin air, by the way, for everyone. I don't, there's no preempting this. I'm just pulling them out of thin air. Okay, yep. And on that particular day, I, I, I remember mum, she was talking about the, the plane crash where, with the German wings, um, crash where, um, the pilot deliberately plunged into oh. the mountains and I just had a flight myself just under a year before and I was just horrified because I was thinking just imagine if that had been my flight how I would have felt. Okay, so you have a bank of every day of your life. Yeah, the vast majority of it. You can access any memory you've ever had. So this is incredible when you think back to childhood, especially, you know, the neural pathways that develop between zero and seven, the way we are in the world, the way we turn yeah. up in the world. You can access that point, which is just incredible because a lot of the way we are in the world now as adults reflects back to that time, right? Experiences, people, opinions, society, structures. Is that interesting for you as an adult to go, why am I so, I don't know if you have any phobias or if you don't like anything or. Yeah. Yes. I have an intense phobia of balloons and fireworks which they call that phenomophobia, which I I can't watch a fireworks show without earmuffs and balloons. I'm just terrified of them. Just the loud noise. I'm terrified of it. And there was even an experience when a support person took me to see the the stunt show at our local theme park, Warner Brothers Movie World, and she said it's good to face your fears. But I was really embarrassed because I ended up passing out during 
that show because I was that terrified and it was embarrassing when I came round and there were staff just saying, are you okay? Do you need some water? And But then I had to leave the theme park afterwards because people were, I just felt like the whole theme park was staring at me because I was so embarrassed. Oh, and was that, I mean, that would have made the phobia so much worse, that experience. Yeah. Did that phobia come from a childhood memory or moment? I think that particular phobia, there wasn't the first time I expressed to my mother that I was scared of balloons was when I was three years old. But I I always had that fear and I think uh, that could relate to my autism as well being I was gonna say that a highly sensory. sensitive. Yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. And my hearing too, because I have been told that my hearing is more sensitive than than average. So with my eyesight, I've definitely not got good eyesight if I wear glasses, but my hearing's another story. Can you hear things that are maybe not audible for others? Yes, and what amazed the doctor was that I have lot I get really waxy ears as well so for most of the time my ears are blocked with wax so that it's in addition to that but when I have my ears syringed just be- just before I have a flight I have them syringed so I don't get earache during a flight but once I've had them syringed and all the wax has gone I can just hear every rustle of every tree across the road and yeah, so balloons, I'm I'm terrified of fireworks or anything that sounds like it. And I also I don't like being enclosed in spaces either. I'm I, I have claustrophobia as well. Okay, what about things I think that we want to forget, like trauma and bad experiences yeah. and nightmares and What happens with those memories? So with those, they're those times when I feel absolutely cursed to have H, Sam, because I wish I could just eradicate the experience from my mind permanently. I wish there was a way where I could just go to a lab and just have the memory taken away because it's not doing me any good at all. So it's memories of trauma and it's also memories where I did or said something that now as an adult I find very embarrassing, especially if it's something I did as a child and I just, I literally cringe and I I say to myself, like, gosh, I hope I'm the only person who can remember that. I hope, I, I just think to myself, I hope, please God, I hope that no one else remembers that because I'm so embarrassed. You know, it's it feels like our brains or our minds are storage containers, right? Imagine, you know, like, yeah. a, like a filing cabinet and, and different things slot in and different memories and times. And, and it feels like for someone that doesn't have HSAM, they go through life, they might remember things in a moment or when they smell something or when they hear a song and things come flooding back or, you know, memories can drop in just um, unconsciously. 
With you, your storage container seems, or your filing cabinet seems so much more dense that how do you have space for the present moment? And then do you just recall memories or do memories flood you? The way I think about the present moment in answer to the question, is there enough space there for the present moment? My answer there is I have no idea why there is because all these flashbacks just, they're constantly bombarding me and they're not even, they're just random from mixed ages, various stages of my life. They're just constantly flash, flash, flashing in and it's very hard to get to sleep at night time as a result of that too. But I found ways because when we're born, we can't really change our our physical characteristics or our neurological condition. We can't change that. And sometimes I have no choice but to just learn how to live with this condition. So I've been doing therapy to help me sleep at night because it if I'm in darkness and silence I'm just kept awake by flashbacks so because they're just so distracting so I have to have classical music playing and then it just it's as if my mind becomes the notes of the music which is just gentle and and that enables me to fall asleep so but during the day when these flashes come into my mind, I get so many headaches. Like my head actually gets very sore from all of the activity. I have a lot of anxiety because of it. And very often when someone says to me, when I have anxiety, what's causing you to feel this? And I just tell them I'm just overwhelmed. It's not really at anything or anyone. I'm just, my head's just yeah, it's just drained and exhausted. But I, when I'd say to mum, I just wish I didn't have H, Sam, I now remind myself of the words of when mum was talking to my brother about when he has a, he has a sensitive reflux and mum just said the words to him, Brendan, it sucks to be you. And now I just remind myself of those words mum said to my brother, you know, it just sucks to be you. You just have to learn to deal with it. If you whinge about it, it's it's not going to change the situation. It's just you have to learn to live with it essentially. Are there any positives? I mean, it sounds like there would be. It sounds like you would retain a lot of information and when you were studying or through school, you would be able to literally just get everything right, right, because it's all there. And as well too, you see, memory, what we experience is just what our own mind knows and what we're aware of. So even though I remember every class when I was at school, I may not have necessarily understood what I was reading or what the teacher was Uh, saying. So I just remember what I was aware of. And I wasn't always correct at school. So what I knew to be the correct answer wasn't always the correct answer. So it, 
It didn't necessarily help me a lot with tests, but in terms of subjects which required you to remember sequences and things like that, they were the subjects and tests I I scored better than I, than other areas which I wasn't so good at. But spelling, um, when I do spelling tests, because I was so busy studying for other subjects I wasn't so good at with my learning difficulties, I'd never have time to revise my spelling words. But for some reason, I'd always get top of the class with spelling. And there was even a test I did in primary school where it was announced in an assembly that I experienced, uh, well, I got the highest score for that spelling test in the state of Queensland. (laughs) And it was the only subject I didn't have to do any study for yet for some reason. I just, I passed the test, but to do spelling, though, you do have to remember sequences of letters. So it did help having that kind of memory. Is there unethical ways then that you can benefit off this, like reading cards at a casino or, you know what I mean, like you could count the cards? Is there ways that you could, I mean, not saying you do, I'm not trying to incriminate you, (laughs) but like are there things that could really benefit you if you wanted them to? Some positive things which come from having H, Sam, is that I'm not very good at reading body language due to my autism, but because I can remember everything or the vast majority of what a person has told me in the past, I can catch them out in a lie if they've told me a completely different version of the story the next time or the third time. (laughs) I I do it to my mum so often, and my mum doesn't lie, though, so, but if she'll remember something incorrectly, I'd say, no, that's wrong, that didn't happen that way, it happened this other way. But something which mum finds very useful is that I remember when she buys an electrical appliance and she always makes sure she lets me know the date because there was one time when the kettle broke and mum said, oh, I've got to buy a new kettle. And then I've told her, well, you only bought it nine months ago, it's still in warranty. So that's when she excitedly looked through her her cupboards for the receipt and she found it and she went, oh, good, I, I don't have to buy a new kettle. I can get it replaced. Oh, my gosh, that's so great. So there are benefits. And I remember positive experiences just as much as negative ones too. Of course. So I get to relive the emotions of all the positive experiences. And that's an advantage because even as an adult now, I can still enjoy my birthday with those excited childlike feelings. Mm. That would be such a beautiful thing to live again. Oh, childlike joy that you would be able to tap into that. definitely. And even when I just... I can evoke a memory by a smell and I can just, if I smell peppermint, the essence, the herbal essence we buy at the shops, the peppermint ice cream, I can just smell the candy store at Disneyland or the candy store at 
um, honey jukes at Harry Potter at Universal. I can just, but with that comes all of the excitement of the holiday, all the happiness of being there. So there are positives about having H, Sam, which I really need to acknowledge more so because I do, t because I'm a negative person, when you're more, take a more pessimistic viewpoint, I can, it's easy for me to go into state, into states of self-pity, just feeling sorry for myself, just being negative, but I need to look on the bright side more often. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For me and for so many others, you know, that have lost a loved one. And I'm not sure if you can relate to this that's passed away. My trauma has blocked me from remembering my mum. I can't remember her voice. I can't remember what she looks like, her laugh, her hugs, nothing. Have you lost someone and has it been a positive element to this that you can access those memories and and live them again yeah I know if I miss someone or either a person or a situation as well because if I had a happy experience which came to an end or if I remembered someone alive who I was close to and now they've passed it you do get to remember and relive the happy experiences from seeing them, but the thing is that can just make the situation more, you know, more sad because it. if I miss how I felt when that person was here, I could, it just reminds me more that how happy the times were then and how that's no longer the case now so I find I don't really like those experiences because I think they just add more sadness because mm. I'm thinking right with that longing to remember somebody that I can't remember if I did remember I would also remember that incredible amount of grief yeah yeah and all of that messy muckiness that happens with that. Yeah. That's what comes back for you as well, right? It's not just you don't just get one part. Yeah, it's just the whole experience of it. And if they're positive recollections I'm re-experiencing, you know, my conscious mind does tell me, well, those days are over now. You'll never experience that again. And then I just feel sad. Mm. So trauma, 
right? And when a trauma occurs yeah, and the mind in most cases has a really clever way of protecting us, right? Uh, by forgetting things, by blocking things, by dissociation. What about when something, if anything ever very traumatic has happened to you, how does your mind, like, is it just like any other day or is there any kind of dissociation or fuzziness, you know, when we're in a rage or we're in a lot of grief, time kind of stands still, yeah. you know? Do you still experience fight, flight, um, fuzziness, dissociation when it comes to trauma or are you very clear still? The problem is when it comes to tra traumatic memories from my past or even if it's an unpleasant situation in the present time, I I wish I try to disassociate from it. But I know with my deliberate obsessive compulsive disorder thought process, my mind just keeps telling me, no, you're just disassociating. The situation really is bad. And, and it's hard because I don't think I've ever experienced fuzziness as a flight or, or fight response. Whenever I've experienced a fight or flight response, it's tended to be acting out physically by pacing up and down, just fidgeting or just doing agitated kinds of move movements. It's such a um, interesting concept. How much of this do you think, because you just said my obsessive compulsive disorder also has kind of a hold on the way that your mind works, yeah. right? Where it just nails me into reality. It just... Which also then feeds into the HSAM, doesn't it? It's like <sighs> yes. they're almost co-creating. Yes, and talking about obsessive-compulsive disorder and HSAM, they have found that many people diagnosed with HSAM also have OCD. Could we talk a bit about the OCD? I have quite bad OCD that is um, triggered by a phobia from my childhood, which is now still plays out in present life, and I hide it very well. How does your OCD present? So with my OCD, I can't disassociate from situations. I'm just nailed into reality. Or sometimes as well, I could have a fear in my mind of a worst case scenario and no amount of thinking or rationalizing can get that fear out of my mind. For instance, I have this fear and a fear just because it doesn't feel natural when I go to bed and get up in the morning without having slept because it's not normal to me. I, I always fear on a sleepless night the sun coming up because it just doesn't feel right having not slept after getting out of bed. But all these fears come into my mind and they're not rational because of fear. It just always comes of my body's forgotten how to sleep. And 
I've only got a few days to live because I'll just die. And I, I'm telling myself that's not possible, but my the OCD just keeps that fear there. But then I've found when the sun actually does come up and subconsciously it must tell me that it must tell the OCD that, no, it's not reality, it can't possibly happen because when the sun actually does come up, then I fall asleep. So once that fear has come, but I take medication for my OCD as well and and that really does help keep the compulsions under control because before I was taking medication, I couldn't eat food from restaurants I had I could only eat food that was cooked at home. I did that too for a long time in my late teens. I did that as well. Did it play out in other repetitive ways? Like, yes. Um, hygiene or uh, light switches or rewashing hands or yes. routine? Yes. I know when it comes to making sure the door's locked, I, I have to because I, I just go back and forth just to see if I was correct in locking the door and I tell myself you've already been back five times you have locked it and then but then the thought is what if I'd not seen it correctly. Does your mind play that game of <laughs> it's just so fucked up because I live this every day but like um, once you have the thought, right, did I lock the door, yeah. even though you've done it five times, if you don't check it the sixth time, if you don't, like if you're like, no, 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 <laughs> I did it, I'm not yeah. going to, it goes, then something really bad will happen to you. So what are you going to do? Are you going to check it or are you going to try and trick yourself into not checking it because then the doom will happen? Does it do that with you? Yeah, and I think to myself too, I – it's no, I was mistaken. I thought I saw it locked, but I didn't. So I go back and forth. But then I found a way. I actually take my iPad with me and I take a photo of the locked door. So you, there's proof. Yeah. So then if it's at night time, just to save myself getting out of bed all night, I, I just have it on my bedside table, the photo there, so I don't have to get out of bed to check. Yeah, that's clever. It's really hard. Like I know when I'm very anxious, my OCD gets really bad and my husband has me, I'll say things repetitively or he'll think I'm um, picking on him, but I'm just trying to manage my own control. Yeah, And I'll have to say to him, I'm now I I help him by saying I'm really anxious I'm not coping with this thing that is why I'm playing out like this yeah, that's what I do but it's not fair is it yeah. it's not it's still not fair to the rest no. of the world <laughs> and some people accept it and yet there are others who just can't stand it and I even think to myself when people haven't been able to stand my compulsions and obsessions, I have thought to myself, well, I don't blame them really because it would be very draining and exhausting if someone constantly came up to you asking the same question 50 times. 
I know, but it's not, uh, it's not a, this is the thing I try to explain to people is it's not rational. No, as I said, losing the ability to fall asleep is not rational, but it's just a fear. I tell myself it's not rational, but then the OCD, it's as if it's a different part. It's as if the OCD is a character, you know, in your brain, there's your thoughts and then there's the OCD, but in states of panic, the OCD tends to win. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the autism, OCD and HSAM still allows you to live a somewhat normal, whatever that means, existence? So in terms of my life, I I do require a support person every time I go out just in case because there's so much stimuli in public places and there's so many things that can go wrong that I could just have a meltdown and which I have had meltdowns in public before but if I've had a support person there they've been able to explain the situation because when I have a meltdown I just lose verbal ability but when it comes to living independently I do still live with my parents and my younger brother but I am planning on in the future you know sometime in the near future hopefully of just getting my own place and living living as independent a life as I possibly can but I can't drive a car because I I just my my time it just my processing and timing isn't very good and even when I'm navigating my my way through crowds I do walk into people a lot because my processing's just not there so if I were to drive a car there'd be more deadly consequences of course and very responsible (laughs) of you to choose that Uh, and this is more with the autistic um sensory level right versus the HSAM or the OCD but they're all married into each other in a way yeah I think they all connect together they they make their own it's it's as if three separate disorders make just my life but yeah it's just but disorders very rarely do disorders come alone. They always come with, well, almost always they come with other associated conditions. And there are many people with autism who also have OCD as well, but the, but not all the time. They are separate conditions. And HSAM too, it has been found that lots of people with HSAM also have OCD. Mm. Does it feel like me as a um, non-autistic person saying that I have OCD, does that feel like I in any way am ableist or diminishing your experience? Not at all. Okay. I just want to make sure because there's a lot of people in media at the moment that are coming out with diagnosis that are very high-functioning Um, And I just was, I'm mindful of that. Like it is definitely something that impacts my life greatly. 
Definitely. don't speak about it often. Yeah. Um, but because we're sharing today, I wanted to share that I understand some of those and me too. small parts of your life. Yeah, and me too because there have been in some instances as well when I've, in the past, I've wanted to join a group online for adults with autism there were many of them I'm with some good ones now autism mates are good but and I can network's good a list is good and there were a few other really good ones as well but there have been places which weren't so much when I talk about things that I do and and I'd have some people with autism who'd say with aggression it's it's clear you've got problems but it's an insult to say it's what we've got and or when I'll tell when I'll just voice things I can't do they'll say well I've got autism and I can do that so there's a lot of judgment even within the community and that's why so there's judgment in the out outside of the autism community but I think there's just as much within the autism community as well and there was a case as well where I I was being bullied by somebody who had autism and saying that what when I'd say I can't do particular things they'd say that's ableism because I've got autism and I can do that so so don't blame that on and I I'd broken they they'd given me a number it was clause number 600 and something you've broken by saying you can't do something because of your autism and then when mum came in and and just helped me and defended me they they turned to her and and just said the word we don't speak to non-aspies there's the same kind of arrogance from within the community as there is so it's it feels as if it's hard to win on both sides and but I have I do have made very close friendships with people on both sides but it's equally just within and outside of the autism community it's equal our final question for you Rebecca and it's going to be an interesting one, I think, for all of us, is who are you when nobody is watching? When nobody's around, I I am a person who I wouldn't want to display in the community. I am a person who I'm very private about being because when nobody else is around, that's when I just let go of my feelings, my anxieties, my worries and concerns. And it's a time when I can just be me. I can just recharge very much like it's as if I'm an iPad that needs to be put back on its charger. And by charge, recharging myself, I do just mindfulness activities. I just, I pace up, just up and down, up and down the pathway outside, just clearing my thoughts as I'm pacing. And it's just 
when nobody else is around to sum it all up it's a time when I can just recharge myself put myself back on a hypothetical charger and it's a time when I can just be me and just never feel embarrassment beautiful Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story and your insights. I really appreciate it. I thank you as well for inviting me onto your show. And so I give many thanks. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting. It's quirky. It's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes, and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.